How can we raise boys that'll make a difference in the world? We'll find out on this edition of Frank Relationships. You're listening to Frank Relationships with Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Yes, as always, those are my babies. Thanks for getting Daddy started today. Mwah! Mother, spouse, and educator Heather Hopp is with us today. And I'm curious, why is it that we do not want to raise typical boys? Well, boys, they are rude and crude, oftentimes lazy and disengaged from all that matters, or at least that's what we see Those are the stereotypes that we see out there. And actually, we're finding that research is starting to back up some of these stereotypes showing that boys statistically are having a harder time entering into adulthood. They are far more dependent on their parents and their female counterparts. And they're just, they're struggling to get going and really launch into adulthood successfully. So what do you Hmm. call adulthood? Adulthood, in this culture, it's sort of um, a little fluid, but sort of that 18 to 22-year-old phase is when you make that trans- when you should be making that transfer from childhood to being an independent adult. Mm-hmm. And, I and asked- so what we're seeing is people, they, they are capping it, the millennial generation, so anywhere between 18 and 35, and they're seeing just much, much larger numbers in this segment who are still living at home, who are still dependent on mom and dad for financial support. Um, They're not getting married. Is Um, this an international trend? Pardon me? Is this an international trend? I I am not sure. Don't the men in Europe kind of like live with their parents Mm. forever? (laughs) They're... Definitely, there's cultural stuff. I spent a summer in Spain, and the cultural norm there is um, is far more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's more of an intergenerational codependence, but it's not kids um, dependent on their parents, if that makes sense. Okay. It's sort of an interdependence thing, which is different than what we're seeing here in the United States. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. I, first off, I did not know that I was almost a millennial. I'm 44. Okay. And, <laughs> and so you said 18 to 35. I'm nine years off. So, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nine years is nine years. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's You're funny. an Xer, I think, right? I have no idea. I'm from D.C. That says it all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, you know, I, I asked the question about adulthood because I okay first off my dad and my mom they they divorced when I was about six around that time okay I you know I grew up with both parents but when I was let's say about 18 no maybe maybe yeah 18 and and let me see I graduated from college the first time in 95 So I was 23. I still lived with my mother, and I still lived with her until I was about, um, I want to say 26. Mm -hmm. But I lived with her while I while I lived with her. I went to college. Um, I was a full time student. I worked. You know, I at at some point I worked full time while being in college. And that sort of thing. And I didn't, I, I think it was more of what Heather later said and, and you know, later said and what she just said about codependence because mm-hmm. I felt a responsibility to give my mother rent or, okay. you know, a financial contribution sure. to the household. I lived in the basement, so I had my own entrance and exit. And, you know, I, I, I had fun, you know, I yeah. had, I had a life and okay. that, that I didn't have to see her. Okay. Um, all of that kind of stuff. And so I was just and asking about how you define adulthood. There were some 
there was some looking at who I was um, mm-hmm. in that question. You you have anything on that other than what you've already said, Heather? Yeah, well, part of it, it's not black and white. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like this is absolutely you have not grown up and this isn't. And so, yeah, you have to look at sort of that interdependence versus um, dependence and, and, and look at those kind of things. And so our goal as parents should not be to parent them forever mm-hmm. and have them constantly. Like I've seen families where people are in their 30s and 40s and they're still coming back to mom and dad, expecting them, mom and dad, to bail them out of situations mm-hmm. right. like they were 18 and they made a dumb financial decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, so there's just a prolonging of adolescence and that we want to be mindful of and going, how can we raise children who definitely we want that interdependence where they're having an eye towards caring for us um, and there's a mutual thing going on, but not that I need mom to take care of me. And so one of the surprising things I found when I was researching why, why men are getting married later, and I sort of assumed it was because they weren't growing up and they didn't want to settle down and have responsibility. And actually, when they were doing um, research into this, what they found is it wasn't that the men didn't want to settle down. It was that women didn't want to marry these men who merely wanted to transfer dependence on mom and dad to, to them on a wife or girlfriend. <laughs> wow. Imagine <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> and so that sort of surprised me, and yet, in a sense, made sense. So what these women wanted was was a mutual relationship where you work together towards a common goal, but not where they were having to take care of somebody. Mm. Smart. And now, with when that happens, though, when a child who's 40 is coming back home to their parents, and I've seen that happen um, in people with, with people that I know, do isn't that the child that parent raised? So isn't that a reflection of who what the parent created that child to be i mean you Mm. can't in my estimation you can't just put it on the child in terms of uh, being uh them being inadequate or and you didn't say that you didn't use the word inadequate but i'm just you know i'm just throwing a a a descriptive out about the child you can't just put it on the child because uh, it also says something about the parent that you can't yeah. come back home. Yeah. Or... Right, which is why I wrote my book, because I wanted to help parents give them sort of a framework like, oh, here's a path we can take to have an eye towards raising boys who are not dependent, but those who stand up and take responsibility for their life, take care of the people around them, um, and those kind of things, because our culture is sending a lot of conflicting messages. And so there's a lot of fear out there that if we don't take care of our kids, that we're actually a bad parent, if we don't bail them out of every single situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a bad parent if you let your kids fail at things in life. When act- in actuality, when we give our kids opportunities to fail earlier in life, they learn how to interact with that and what to do in the face of failure, because we're all going to experience that. At now, various points in our life, and what we need are kids that are resilient, have, not, have never experienced failure, but know what to do when that happens. Mm-hmm. We we had a, another guest on the show some time ago. His name is uh, Paul Coates, and he he was the patriarch in Tanahasi Coates' uh, book, The Beautiful Struggle. And one of the things he said was that at eighteen, his kids got to go. They, you know, mm. he's prepared them for the world and it's time for you to go. You're out of my house. And that's a that's a a difference in in looking at things or the way to the way to do things than my father, who they and they are friends. Um, Paul Coates and my father are friends. And so the my father at my my younger sister, who is 30 she's she still lives with my father okay now mind you she is an ivy league grad uh you know she got her mba from columbia and went to spelman got her bachelor's in spelman you know she's accomplished in terms of 
academia and she had a, a high paying job when she was in Atlanta, she decided to move home. Um, and when she moved home, she, you know, she stays with my father. She, mm-hmm. and, and, and um, now, so, so given the, the two, I guess the two different ways of doing things, how do you color those two, those two differences, Heather? I'm not quite sure where we're going with this. I I got you. I got, so when you think if, it's you mean it's a cultural thing? Yeah. What well, there are two different parenting styles. One okay. says oh, okay. you got to go uh, at 18. And says, Another says not so much. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. gotcha. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we need to allow for for some differences in parenting style, and that's where, as individual families and parents, we need to look and go: Am I enabling my children? Yeah. And so there can be times where you have, like, I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in your sister's place. I'm extremely close with my mother and my father. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have a family, because moving six people in with them, <laughs> um, I, I could see doing that because I enjoy being with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am an extrovert. I could never imagine living by myself. Um, and so, so yeah, so... What you need to look at is going, am I doing anything as the parent to contribute to contribute to a depend, an unhealthy dependence that my children have on me? Mm-hmm. Are they asking me to bail me out? Am I still mm-hmm. acting as the mother or the father to a 30-year-old? Mm-hmm. And so- if that's the case, then there's an unhealthy balance mm-hmm. there where you're going to want to go, oh, let's, you know. So, I, I need my children to have the ability to be independent. So why is this but phenomenon that's different than bringing than living together because you enjoy being with one another? Right, right. So why is this a boys' phenomenon? Why aren't we having this problem with girls? Um, well, part of it, and I, I talk about in my book, is I, I think the way we approach young boyhood is, in many ways, we sort of shut them down. Our culture really gets upset when boys don't sit still and when they're not calmer, when they're not more tame, mm-hmm. um, when they're not like the, the little girls around them. And so in, a, in the early years, in their school settings, a lot of times we're going, wait, you know, sit down, calm down. Why can't you be more like her? And we're treating <laughs> our boys sort of like defective girls. Mm-hmm. And in oh fact, goodness. they're just different. Yeah. And so a lot of times I think we we squash their desire for adventure. We squash their need to move and they just sort of shut down. Now that's, that's what I really go into is we don't want to shut our boys down. We want to figure out what, what motivates the heart of our boys and then work with the way they're wired, work with their desires to help motivate them and give them a a vision for what their future could hold. Hmm. When you mention our culture or I guess our society may have been your term, what comes to mind for me is school in a school setting, but you, your boys are not in a school setting. You actually homeschool your boys, correct? I do. Yes. So how does that, how do you deal with your boys as a homeschooler? What are your expectations of them in terms of sitting still? Um, because you also have a daughter, a young, a daughter that is right. younger than your three boys. What are your expectations of them? have expectations. And so what I do is I recognize, and this was a journey for me to recognize the needs that my boys had. And so I try to tune into what do they need? And then what does the situation warrant? And so if we are going to be going into a situation where they're going to be required to sit still for long periods of time, a lot of times I will make sure that they, they run Mm -hmm. and they burn off energy before we go into a situation where absolutely I expect them to sit still. And so we talk to our kids very clearly. I mean, boys, they, they're mission-minded. They, they want to succeed in life, mm-hmm. or at least my boys do. Mm-hmm. And so when I lay out what the expectations are, what the rules are, um, in fact, I will never forget the time we went to the library and my kids just, oh, it was embarrassing. They were running around. They were yelling. They mowed over a little old lady, oh. and I just scoop them all up. I'm like, we are leaving. We're never (laughs) coming back to the library. And when I got home, I realized I had never laid out expectations. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so the next time when we went to the library, this was when my boys were really little, I got around and said, okay, we're going to talk about how to win at the library game. Did you have that mean face on? Yeah, we're all about winning. How do we win? (laughs) 
So I laid out what my expectations are. You will not run in the library. We mm-hmm. run outside. Mm-hmm. You will not raise your voice if you need me. You will not shout from the other side of the children's section. You will come find me and tell me what you need. And so I just I laid out what were my expectations so they knew exactly what I expected when I walked into that situation. And there's an appreciation. No one likes to be blindsided with, oh, they're just they're constantly upset at me. And so, yes, so I absolutely have expectations. You will sit still here. You will not touch this. We will walk into this art museum, and we are going to look at and admire and talk about art like civilized people. Mm. And then afterwards, you're going to go, you can go run around like a crazy hooligan at the park. Mm-hmm. But, but, there's, but I lay out what those expectations are, and then I allow for those, I, I make space for time for them to be boys. Okay, so how did it go? Burn energy and get those wiggles out. So how did it go? Or how? Great. The, okay, from the first, from like once you laid out your expectations from the onset, once you laid out your expectations, they were great. You saw a difference. Oh, well, I saw a difference. Yeah. Okay. Not <laughs> okay. There's a difference. It's a journey, <laughs> but I could give them the look. I could put up my finger, and they knew. I gotcha. Was and it? they would identify like, oh, I'm raising my voice. And mom's reminding me that is not what's acceptable in this situation. So, yeah, I mean, parenting. Yeah, anybody who's been a parent for any, anything more than the baby phase knows that kids just you need to train them over and over and over again. And it's a process. And they're in process. So we're patient with them. Um, well, in your we book, lay out you... the expectations so they at least know what direction they're supposed to be headed in. I think you say it perfectly in your book when you say this is about progress, not perfection. Yes. Yeah, that captures it, I think. Welcome to Frank Relationships, a show for you, my brethren, who, like me, are too young to be considered old and too old to be considered young. It's also for those of you who love and support us. We're here to provide weekly wisdom, conversation, and the information that will help create loving and flexible parents and partners. I'm Frank Love, and you can find me, my blog, and my various social media incarnations at franklove.com. If you're listening to the show on Blog Talk Radio, please follow us and then via iTunes, please subscribe so that you can effortlessly get the show each week. Also, if you're enjoying the show, and of course you are, please give us a favorable iTunes rating and please share it with your family and friends on your favorite social media platform. We're always looking for new social media friends, so please help us help our communities by spreading the word about the show. Greetings to my super-duper co-host, Nancy. Hi, Frank. Nancy Goldring, the consummate generalist, yes. is here. I'm evolving uh-huh. into something. Okay. Uh, always, <laughs> always. <Yes. laughs> Today's guest is a mother, spouse, author, and educator who's on a mission to cultivate a rich family life that will prepare and equip her children for whatever God has in store for each of them. And she wants to encourage you to do the same. She's a mother of three boys, ages 12, 10, and 8, and a beautiful baby girl. And after she was, actually, when she was growing up, as her husband Jokingly puts it, she was failing first grade and began to be homeschooled as a child. And since then, she has advocated, even as a little girl, advocated for homeschooling. And she continues to do so as an adult and hopes to inspire parents to pursue a loving, holistic and developmentally appropriate approach to education. Okay. So. If you, like me, want to know how to parent intentionally, how to delight in the adventure of learning, and how to raise boys who will make an impact on their world now and for the rest of their lives, then stay tuned as your Frank Relationship team talks with the author of Nights in Training, 10 Principles for Raising Honorable, Courageous, and Compassionate Boys. Mrs. Heather Hopped. Heather Formally, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is fun. Excellent. Before we get too deep in today's subject matter, which I guess is a waste of uh, of comment, seeing that we're well, <laughs> we're well into it. 
I want to check and see what's going on in the news. Heather, once again, please don't be bashful. We want your thoughts, too. Um, okay, I got one. There's a Christian school in Maryland, uh, It's called, in Hagerstown. It's called Heritage Academy that's banned a child, a, teen, a teenager, from graduation because she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's not banned from graduating. She's banned from graduation. She's pregnant and she's showing. Okay. Um, it says that Heritage Academy in Hagersburg said, Hagerstown says that Maddie Runkles, who is the name of the senior, broke the rules by engaging in an intimate sexual activity. But she's being banned not because she's pregnant, but because she was immoral. Meaning she had sex out of wedlock. I guess so. Which is against their, I guess, the Christian mores or whatever? I, I don't know. I, I, you know. So, uh, wow. Okay. And get this, the father was on the board of the school. Her father? Yes. What's he saying? I don't remember. I didn't, mm. I didn't see that in the, in the article. Um, but... This may be something you don't want to touch, Heather. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk to us yeah. about this boy that uh, <laughs> poor little Maddie got hooked up with, and now look, he's playing video games, and she's got to raise the baby. Well, he's not—he's oh, not a student at the school, so he's not being sanctioned. Well, I wonder who he is, though. Uh, you know, I—I I don't. The know. article did didn't say, say they would sanction him if he had been at school. I believe they would have. I don't. Okay. I we believe do. he. Yes. Did. This sounds like some scarlet letter business right here. Mm. It's it's a interesting. Uh, it's an interesting little something. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you, you got anything, Jeff? <laughs> He's got a <laughs> quizzical look on his face. <laughs> nah, I better not. <laughs> oh. Oh my goodness. Hmm. hmm. What you don't separation have... of church and state? Yeah. Well, what's the. S- but it's a church school. It's a church school. Yeah. That's Pull how they're out. getting rid Pull of it. Pull them out. Yeah. Well, she's a senior. She's, she's graduating. Gone. I mean, she's. So uh, what is it? So she can graduate, but. She can get her diploma. She can get her diploma. She just can't walk. Is she that can't, the story? Yeah. Come to graduation. Oh, okay. All right. right. Okay. I got it. Um, is that something that was laid out in their. I know with private schools, a lot of times students sign a student code of conduct. I believe it was. Absolutely. Okay. A well, part of but a, I bet it's probably, here's the thing, it's probably in the handbook or whatever, but it's not discussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean. Because mm. it's a Christian school, so it's highly unlikely that they're actually discussing sex or what they consider to be sexual misconduct beyond the fact that you've it's, it's a, like they say, a sexually intimate relationship outside the bond of marriage mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. and yet i would i don't know i don't know i mean she's she's done she finished she went i mean she could have left and went to the school you know there are places at least in maryland i believe where girls can go and finish school yeah, pregnant pregnant really mm-hmm. you know but dang the student said that she feels as though she's being punished because in in some ways because she got caught or because you can see that she's pregnant but everybody's doing it oh she's saying lots of other people at school were having sexual relationships Mm -hmm. but they're not but they're graduating they're graduating and they're not showing right they're not pregnant and and showing at the time of graduation right so Mm. well there i have a problem hit it just because someone else didn't get caught I mean, honestly, you don't. This is like Donald Trump. You don't bring up what other people did when you're being accused or being punished for something else. Mm-hmm. So she's right, mm-hmm. but it's the same old adage: if you're speeding down the highway and you don't get a ticket, you're not innocent, mm-hmm. but you're not guilty. You weren't caught. Uh-huh. Mm. Interesting. So okay. that's how I live my life, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm not innocent, but I'm not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> And, and don't so, run, Heather. <laughs> this is radio. You're gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah, we god. Were, we live in a crazy world. Yeah. Oh. I think she has a point, though. I mean, essentially, if they stuck to their rules unequivocally, they wouldn't have a Christian school. Is essentially what this girl is saying. 
maybe they wouldn't have students. Well, yes, yes, uh, yes. Thank you. There's too much hypocrisy. You know what, Frank? Can I can I get Heather into this a little bit deeper? Absolutely. Oh, what are the repercussions in your mind or in your process and policy for those who break your rules or um, decide to go the other way on purpose? You mean her her boys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I taken on a case-by-case basis. Again, one of my goals as a parent is not just to make my kids obey my rules, is, but I want to prepare them for life. So we talk a lot about the role of our authority in their lives, and so we remind our kids that we all live under authority. And so dad can't decide each day whether or not he wants to go to work, because if he doesn't show up, he gets fired. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't decide how fast I want to go on the road, because... We live under the laws of the land. And so we try to talk to our kids about that, that we're all here and we live under realms of authority. Um, And so we talk to our boys about how right now, and our daughter, they are living under the realm of our authority as parents. And that it's our job to raise them up so that they will be able to rule their own realms, whether that's their own homes, whether they're destined to be you know, bosses in the workplace, whatever they're supposed to be, our goal is to prepare them. Now, um, my kids are normal kids, and they disobey, and they're naughty. And um, so I really try to, instead of getting angry, taking things personally, look at it as if we're in process. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is training. And But for, there are times where there is outright... Um, just ignoring the family rules. And so, yeah, there's consequences. And we we try to match that to the age of the child, what's going on. And so we we had one child just recently um, lie. And we knew he was lying. And so we we brought him and we're like, okay, and we're talking to him and we're we're giving him opportunities to come clean. Mm -hmm. Like, fess up, and he he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so we finally, we said, you know, honey, we, we know. We know this, this, and this happened. Um, and you could see his face just fall like, oh. <laughs> I said, we, we really we wanted you to fess up. Life goes so much smoother when, when we speak truth. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is our heart for you because you didn't, we, we need you to learn to grow in this. And, and you know there are consequences. And so... The consequence of that particular time is we were planning a super fun family movie night that night, and and he got to go to bed at 6.30. Mm, 6.30. And, and I went up to talk to him, and his back is to me rigid. <laughs> like, he, he is ticked off. Mm-hmm. And, wow. uh, and I said, you know, I, I know this is hard, I said, but your father and I will want what's best for you. And it's just back rigid. And so I said, I, I just want you to know that we do love you. And, okay. and you'll understand someday. So this and, is part of your throwing down the gauntlet thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm saying these are the expectations, but there's grace. There's not anger. Um, and so that's the hard part in parenting is not taking things personally, like, oh, they're making my life inconvenient or this or that, but really recognizing that we have an opportunity to help our kids. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He, he came out the next day, this particular time, and he just, he carried himself with a sense of respect. Like, okay, I, there was a consequence, and I understand that. So they know that, that we're serious about things, um, but they know that we love them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, when we have situations where, our kids just totally mess up, and they will, because we're human. Um, we extend grace. And so that's where finding that balance of extending grace, saying we want what's best for you, and yet still having standards. When you when you find that place, it, it's not easy, because it's never easy when you're caught doing wrong things. But I think it makes it easier to see that there's a purpose in it. Um, and so, yeah, when I see the situation with this girl, it makes me really sad, because they're not really getting to the heart of the school of what they view as wrong behavior and why um, they're punishing a evidence of something underlying that's going on. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so if this was me in this situation, I would be wanting to talk to my daughter or my sons about, you know, what's, what's going on, what led to this. Here's, here's why we have these standards or why we have these rules and connecting our kids with the why. Heather, when you started that answer, I was, I was going to be very contradictory and ask you what your advice would be to someone like yourself because the world is not perfect, people are not perfect, no. and you don't spell out a Pollyanna-ish existence for children. My real question is, what advice would you give to someone like yourself in preparation for a good child who just might be defiant of those rules or authority that you as a parent set out for them? They could still be good people, but... I don't want to watch movies tonight, and I don't care if I'm going to bed at 6.30. And, and right. I'm, th- these are minor little things, but you, they're still your child, and mm-hmm. y- how would you prepare a parent for a long-lasting, lifelong, positive, loving relationship, even if they don't agree with 100% of the rules that are on your pad? Right. Well, recognize that our children are individuals. And so, and, and we talk to our kids all about, about this frequently. Like when you're an adult, you get to call your own shots. You can eat sugar cereal all day long if you want. You can watch whatever you want on television when you're an adult. Right now you're living in our home and we get to set some of those rules. Um, but I really, I, I would encourage parents to, um, to think through what rules are they setting? Why are they setting them? Because um, I think sometimes we, we set rules because of what we fear other people will think about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking through what, what are my values and what, what are going to be my hills to die on. And there's a lot of areas that I think we do step up and we're really hard-nosed about and we don't need to be. Are you going to be um, terribly disappointed if they start eating sugar cereal when they turn 18? <laughs> no! <laughs> I mean, I... I'll be like, you're ruining your body. It's mm. not good for your, for your health, but does that affect who they are as people? And so that's, yeah, we want to convey to our kids that we love them no matter what because they're our children, not because of what they do or how they behave. And so really making those distinctions of um, who we value as human beings I have and a... then holding that separate from our values. Like, I have really great friends who have totally different values than me. And I don't dislike them because they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so holding that, not holding over a child's head or even being tempted to, in your own mind, only extend love or relationship if they play by your rules. Mm-hmm. Is, it's an important distinction to make. Mm-hmm. I have a son who who got in trouble in school yesterday. Okay. And uh, he was doing things like um, he burped loud in <laughs> class. And the teacher told him to, you know, to get itself together or don't do that. And he, he gives the, what, what are you talking about, face? It's a natural body, fun, you know, that kind of silliness. Right. Um, <laughs> and so. Chip off the old block. <laughs> <laughs> so. We um we got an email from the teacher, and this isn't the first, um, and determined that my wife and I we determined that we're going to we're going to we let him know we let our son know last night that if if his teacher gets full autonomy on the following, if she lets if she tells us via email or in person that he was disrespectful that day, his television, he gets no television, video games, iPad, you know, whatever the, the, the thing the is. Gadgets. The gadgets. Yeah, okay. the gadgets, screens, and no, he gets none of that for the evening. If she just mentions that to us, mm. we're not going to question her. because, And the reason we're not going to question her is because we've seen some of the same behavior at home. Okay. So it's not okay. even, she's not making it up uh, as far as we're concerned. And we told him up front, you know, this is what's going to happen. There'll, there'll be no discussion. There'll be nothing to talk about. If she tells us, and she gets to make a determination whether he gets 
one chance or two or no chances. It's completely up to her. Mm-hmm. Then that that's what's going to happen when he comes home. And initially, he was upset because he was he he said, well, you know, you're you're not listening to me and you're not giving me a chance and that sort of thing. And I said, son, the I want you to understand, we're telling you before, like you're not in trouble now, even though you did X, Y, and Z today at school, you're not in trouble. Okay. You are not uh, there. We're not angry at you or anything. You have a absolute clean slate right now. When you get up and go to school tomorrow, your slate is clean. We're not, we, we've got nothing on that, but you get to start with a clean slate. And if she lets us know that you were disrespectful, there's nothing to even talk about. All mm. she's got to say at school is, I'm going to let your parents know that you are disrespectful. And I, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, if that's what she wants to do, or she can just be heavy-handed and just say, boom, no screens for you tonight. She could tell him that right. to his face, face instantly. Wow. And that will be the case. What you? What do you say about that, Heather? And what do you say about that, Jeff? You got? You have kids? I am applauding you over here. Really? <laughs> I am applauding you. Yes, because what you're you're giving your son a gift of learning how to read situations and respond appropriately. And your son, even if you are totally okay with him belching and doing all of that at home, the rule, the expectation at school is that that is not the appropriate place to do that. And your son needs to learn how to respect that authority in his life. And so he can learn how to interact appropriately with other authorities that he comes into contact with. And so you are, you're, you're giving the teacher a gift too, because you're honoring her authority in the classroom. Um, and you're helping your son learn those self-regulation skills to know when to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And we need kids who know when to turn it off and when it's appropriate to let loose. And school is not one of those situations for this particular teacher. And you are backing her up and you are helping your son learn self-control in that situation. And I loved how you did it with you have a clean slate, but here are the expectations going forward. Mm. What you got, Jeff? No, I totally agree, and it's part of the discipline that schools, and and I'll I'll even spread it out to organized athletics, Mm -hmm. instill in kids. Uh, My son had to wear a tie to school when he had a home or away game, and no one was defiant or or tried to find fault with that. Uh, In fact, it elevated them to another level of respect with the other kids. Those are the athletes, Mm -hmm. you know. They also had to live by a different or a more strict standard, you know, uh, you can't get caught drinking or you're off the team. You know, all of those rules and regulations, it taught them an additional level of respect for rules. And also, these are not bad rules mm-hmm. to abide mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, suppressing bodily functions is not a bad rule <laughs> <laughs> when you're in public. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although it is fun on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> Again. We're going to have to edit that part out for the kids. <laughs> uh, okay, Heather, you, you mentioned authority, the concept of authority. Um, and and in reading your book, you break that down into several different uh, categories. One is elders. Another is, what, teachers? And I think another is office. Is that right? Yes. Okay, can so I, in working with my children and raising my children, I don't, I've never used the term, maybe, maybe, well, maybe I haven't used it regularly or often, authority. When I'm raising them to respect their elders, it's just simply respect your elders. Um, Right. And I don't call it authority yet i think the sentiment is somewhere they're they're definitely they're definitely close um but i i don't like the term well no it's not that i don't like i just don't use the term authority and and i think the teachers that falls in the realm of elders yeah i mean it's just and even even you respect so i i particularly my boys but all of them, 
when when someone older than you comes into the room, you stand to greet them. That's right. just something you you stand to greet them. You shake when someone shakes your hand, you stand up to shake their hand. That's a way of showing respect to your elders. And it could even be when there's if if you're if you're a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old comes in and shakes your hand, that's your elder. He's older than you. He's your senior is is more the term that I would use. Okay. Um you stand and shake your shake their hand. That's a show of respect. What do you what do you say to to simple um gestures of that nature like standing to to greet um, individuals, because many kids will just say hi. hi. They if wouldn't they even look out hi. for they. They may not even look up from their screen. Right. Um, and right. You, you give a story about your son. God, I'm jumping into your book. Uh, I, I was mm-hmm. okay. All right. I was I was telling my story and then going into yours. You give a story where your family welcomed another family, and. They had a son that was the same age as one of your sons, and that son barely engaged. He was into his screens and and whatever he was, you know, whatever game he was doing at the time and did not really engage with your family or even your son that was the same age. So what do you what do you say to those simple gestures of respect? Um, I think they're so important because they, they communicate respect. And as we do that, we we create a more respectful society mm-hmm. and we have, we open up the opportunity to have civil discussions when we treat one another um, with dignity. Mm-hmm. And so I love what you're doing with your son by just acknowledging, yes, when someone older and wiser walks in, you acknowledge them. Um, and, and that's, we want to treat, teach our children to um, be aware of those around them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, like with this situation where I talked about this boy in my book where he just totally tuned out the world around him, we tried to engage in conversation, my son tried, this boy was not a bad boy, Yeah, he just had never been trained that when you go into a situation where you're meeting someone else, you don't just zone out with your electronics, you turn them off and you respond to questions, and then you might even throw a question back. And so, so yeah, it's just, it comes down to training. And mm-hmm. it's not like the parents were bad parents. They were very friendly people, mm-hmm. um, delightful to talk to. They just hadn't, it probably had never occurred to them to train their son to do this. And they probably had sort of adopted this mindset, oh, that's normal. That's what kids do. And instead of seeing this situation unfold and go, oh, we need to step in and, and help our children. But yeah, building that culture of respect is important. And that's why I included that section where I talk about um, authority. So, I mean, elders, it's not like my boys are going to obey anything that an adult says to them. We talk about appropriate and inappropriate realms of authority. And just because someone's an adult doesn't mean they get to come and tell my kids what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are certain situations like in our home, mom and dad are in charge when they go to school or to a class situation, that teacher is in charge in that context. Um, Now, if they ask you to do something wrong, then we talk to our kids through what do we do when um, there's abuse of abuse by the person in charge? What do you do in that situation? And so we talk our kids through different scenarios because we don't want kids who just mindlessly are compliant to anybody Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um in any situation and so yeah we talk about that but i love what you you've done with your son with respecting those that are older and so we talk to our kids a lot about especially adults and older adults they have life experience they have wisdom to impart to you and if you are smart enough to listen you're going to get a leg up in life Mm -hmm. what's your what's your screen policy uh how to you know, you have four children. How many of them have devices and their own device? So it's not even just the four of them's device. They they have one no. each. Uh, yeah. iPod, ad, iPad, a computer. You know, what do you have going on? Um, oh, we don't. We're very weird. <laughs> um, we don't do much at all. So we we have a Kindle Fire. We have a laptop and a computer. Um, but none of my kids have their own devices. How old are your children? 
uh, my oldest will be 13 this summer. So 13, almost 11. And then I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're not complaining? They don't know anything else. They don't know anything else. Oh, that's yeah. right. They're so home. Well, sort but, of, well, wait yeah. a minute. Okay. So I'm not saying like everybody should do this because we're in a unique situation where my kids aren't coming home from school every day saying every single person in my class has mm-hmm. a new iPhone. So how do you handle their social interaction beyond homeschool? Oh, we, we are out all the time. But you're out like as a I, family all the time. We're out what? You're out as a family all the time? So you're yeah, not, or they, they go to a class or on a field trip. We, we get together with friends. And so, yeah, okay. it's sort of depending on their different interests and what they're doing. Um, they'll be off on their own or sometimes with a brother. So yeah, the homeschool community has just grown by leaps and bounds. It was very weird when I was a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just, it was so unknown. And now there's, the communities are so big. You actually have to pick and choose what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What are you not going to do? So you're actually spending time home educating them. How do you, how do you deal with or address the physical prowess that boys often use to define themselves? Um, do you allow your boys to participate in sports? Do you allow them to fight uh, do you, I mean, how do you, how, <laughs> Let you know, them burn the, off that energy. Uh, there's yeah. a physical piece that boys associate themselves with often. And so how do you address that as a, as a young knight, as, as raising knights? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I recognize the value in that. Um, there's value in battle play. Mm. And so we, we set up caveats. There, there are boundaries. Um, you don't use it to beat up somebody or to prey on somebody. But there is, boys are just battle-wired. They have something inside of them that longs to defend, to protect. They want to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And so when we recognize that, instead of squashing that and going, oh, my gosh, you know, weapons are evil. Weapons are not evil. It's what's in the heart of that person. And so... So I look at that and I, I give my kids good stories. I we point out the heroes that we read about in the news and I go, Whoa, look at you see that guy? He stepped up and because he did this, he saved all these people on that train that day. Or situations like that. And then we we let our kids, yeah, engage in battle play. And so my kids will have sword fights. They'll go out and pretend to defend the Alamo. Um, which always surprises me. I'm like, everybody dies. Why are you playing that? <laughs> um, but but they like that. And as they're doing that, they're working out internally, like, do I have what it takes? Could I step up if the need arose to be the hero in the situation? And so battle play is very formative to um, to the moral fiber of who he's going to become. And so he's working, they're working out in their play, like, could I be the hero Mm -hmm. of the story? Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to squash that. Now, on the other hand, if you see one, like I had a situation, my boys were playing Alamo, and this is when my youngest boy was 18 months old, and he starts waddling out, and they aimed their little broomsticks on him and started shooting their brother. And at that point, I intervened, and I said, oh, no, no. Right. He's an innocent bystander. You can bring him. He can be on your team. He can die in the Alamo with you, but uh, you cannot fight him. Mm. And so there's so we, we provide boundaries. Um, you cannot use this as a way to be aggressive and and take out your anger on somebody. That's mm. never appropriate. You use it to defend people. To wow. you're on the lookout. Who is who is weak? Who needs help here? And um, so we do that. So I let them engage in battle play, and then I connect it with the whole idea of being on the lookout for those in need. And then sports for boys are just really, really important. In fact, I invite, I asked a friend, you know, what her secret was to raising boys because she had five of them, um, and she was just like, they they got to burn energy because they have all of this energy and they need to funnel it in healthy ends and so yeah she put her kids in sports um during the summer months this was in arizona she would have them swim laps every day because they just they had this great energy and they needed to do something with it that was healthy and so i love the idea of sports but your um, boys it really helps develop that strength that perseverance and a mindset towards doing things with excellence which okay. for a night would have been prowess 
And so your kids are doing battle play, but they're not playing sports yet? Oh, no, we do sports. You do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I was missing that. So you're clearly Sorry. an intentional parent. There's no question about that. Everything is very thought out and ex and, and well executed. What is this... Um, what does it mean to delight in the adventure of learning? It sounds obvious. It sounds obvious. And I'm assuming you mean that not just for the parent, but for but to encourage that in the children also. Yeah. Well, we, we model that as parents. Okay. Um, we model to our kids that the learning never ends. It's not something that takes place between 8 and 2 on school days during the school year, that we're always learning. Okay. And so... So when I read something interesting or my husband reads something interesting, we will share it with one another. And so when our kids were little, we, they could just hear us talking about things that we had read on the news or an article we had read. Um, and so we as parents have an opportunity to just model that it's interesting to learn about things and it's interesting to read books. And so so we do that and we point out, um, I, I love finding good books. And so we do we do a lot of that when I find a good adventure book because that is what um, my boys like. Cool. We will will sort of hone in on that and read that, and and then I give them time to just sort of interact with it. What are they going to do with that? So when they're when they were little, they would bring that into their pretend play. Hmm. So Heather, do and you? I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Uh, do you ever get the objection when I see this uh, knight or knave? You got to choose knight or knave. Um, but there's still, I'm I'm just thinking in a in a culture where everybody wants to be the boss and nobody wants to take uh, orders from orders someone. from anyone. Mm -hmm. Well, and she says okay. in the book she says that she was taught the lesson by, I believe, one of her grandparents Okay. that you have to lead, before you have to follow before, before you, you can lead. Okay. Yes. Huh. Okay. Okay. But I'm not trying to take your thunder, Heather. Heather, what's your answer? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, my grandfather pulled me aside, and he was, he was career army. He retired, I think, as a lieutenant colonel um, from the army, and he pulled me aside when my kids were little, and he just, I, he read me, not read me the riot act. He was very serious. He was just like, your kids have to know you're in charge, Heather. And I'm looking at him and I have toddlers. I'm going, okay. And he said, you, they have to learn. If they don't learn how to follow, they can never lead. Mm. And mm. so there's a time and place where if you know how to follow, then you're going to know, you're going to be able to develop what it takes to lead well. That's in Sun Tzu, isn't it? And so, so yeah, so that's been, we talked to our kids about that. You know, I, I am raising you guys up to be leaders God. one day. I, I don't know what that's going to mean and what that's going to look like. You each have different gifts and different abilities, and you're going to be called to a different walk in life. But right now, I'm preparing you so that you can step into those roles of leadership one day. And if you respond to the instruction you're receiving now, you're going to be stronger for it. Hmm. Now, this doesn't mean they accept it all the time, but, but at least there's that thing rolling around in the back of their head like, okay, there is a purpose, even though I'm sitting mad at mom right now or sitting mad at this teacher because I don't want to do this. Um, there's sort of in the back of their mind, they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Sometimes rolling around that helps it make it a little bit more palatable. Uh, Heather, one, I guess this is a scenario, but it's very broad-based. My kids went to public school. Uh, they went on to um, to college. And in their interactions, social interactions with some kids in college who were homeschooled, there was not every time, but I'd say more so than not, a little disconnect. Um, you're talking about teaching respect and how to be leaders if they're not in a social situation on a daily basis with peers and adversaries, how mm -hmm. can they learn to lead or interact or commingle? You're kind of, in my opinion, in a bubble. In a bubble. Yeah. Well, again, I, I can't say because there's going to be families that are um, all kinds of different families out there. 
but you can make it a bubble, but it's just, it's, there's so much out there. My kids are out and about all the time. And so I, I think it's unfair to sort of do a blanket statement um, to families because of that. I still remember in college talking to someone and he said I was the first normal homeschooler he'd ever met. And I'm like, wow, tell me about the others. And it turns out he had never met anybody else. I was the only homeschooler he had ever met. And he said, yeah, but you, you just, you know how to talk to people. And I'm looking at him like, I had lunch with you and your fellow student, your best friend from high school, and he could not carry on a conversation. Now, maybe this was because he was an engineer. I don't know. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is there's going to be people everywhere with varying levels of um, social awareness, varying levels of leadership ability, um, and not everybody is going to be a leader. And I, I mean, I look at my own kids and I go, okay, there's, there's some personalities that just one of my kids walks into a room and everybody's like, oh, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I have another one who walks in going, who's in charge? And I'll follow you. So it's, we have to make room for personalities um, and, differences. and whatnot. Yeah. And the I only thing that. I would, Heather, the only thing I would say to that is, so why limit them in how the in the structure in which they learn these lessons? They're going to have to interact with many people from many different walks of life and different disciplines. Yet they're only learning from one. I, I find that limiting. Oh, and, and oh I'm I, so sorry. This, yeah. There, there is that conception, I am not my children's only teacher. So, yeah, we want to expose our children to a wide variety of people from different backgrounds. Um, and so, yeah, my, I would not say that, that I do that. And as parents, we want to be intentional to expose our children to a wide um, variety of situations and people and... So yeah, I'm sorry if I gave the impression that that I do not do that. No, um, no, not at all. And in fact, I don't want to take this to any deeper level because it's not my show. <laughs> um, but but again, and I'm not making a blanket statement. In my experience, kids who have been, and I'm not saying you're repressing your children, but who have been in strict disciplines, mm-hmm. once they get a taste of freedom, there is that possibility that they will rebel or overdose on the freedom. Right. Absolutely. So that that's a very real concern, I would think, from folks who are homeschooling and not, uh, for instance, having a teenager involved in a community sports league. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yep. Has anybody seen Wolfpack? Never heard of it. It's a family in New York City that I think they had five or six kids, maybe five boys and a girl, and they raised them in the apartment. And they never, ever engaged with anyone outside the apartment. Mm. And it wasn't until maybe last year, a year before, one of the boys, somehow he got out. Mm -hmm. And he came back to tell everybody, like, hey, there's a whole big world out there. (laughs) And... And in his adventures, speaking of boys and adventure, this is reality. This TV is real. Or, this uh, is real. And uh, there is a movie. There's a, 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 I guess, like a documentary or a docudrama done on the life of this family, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was done by somebody that the boy encountered while he was out. He met a movie producer mm-hmm. while he was out. Told his story, and. They documented. Yeah, it's similar to uh, Captain Fantastic, a movie last year with Viggo Mortensen. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, he, he raises his kids in a in the woods, yeah, like yeah, 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 off the grid. Correct. Yes. What do you uh, What do you say about chivalry, Heather? And I mean, if you if if chivalry fits into your paradigm, it definitely does. First off, what is chivalry? To Knights, you? knaves, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, chivalry, I, I had always thought that chivalry was merely how a man treats a woman. Okay. And opening doors and this and that. And, um, it is so, so much more than that, um, which is what prompted us towards having, pursuing this idea of, of training up knights. Because when I started reading about the historical roots of chivalry, I discovered that it was, in, it was sort of an ethos. It was an entire 
way of living that defined the warrior class during the Middle Ages. And in fact, it was so compelling that the nobility saw what the training that these young men were going through who were destined to become knights, and they saw, wow, that's that's powerful. We want this for our boys. Mm -hmm. And so they started having all of their sons going through this process of knight training and learning to live a chivalric life um, because of the results they were seeing. And so it, it just it goes into some of the stuff we've already talked about, like obeying those in authority, seeking the truth at all times, um, defending the weak and protecting them, standing against injustice. And so it sort of it provided a framework, a way of living, and I, I guess you could say an ideal to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was used not only in training up boys to become knights, but they would also remind the grizzled knights who had just sort of lost their way to, hey, no, come back. This is who you are. You, mm-hmm. you are to live up to this ideal. And so it was a sort of a call to action and a call to embody um, a person of strength, both inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, so once I discovered um, and read about some of the historic roots of chivalry, I was really inspired, and that's what led me to write the book that is out right now. You spoke of, um, of how, to, how to interact with women, and you also, you also discuss pornography as a, as, as a component of how you view women, I believe. Would you say mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, when we talk to our boys, we want we want our sons to be able to develop healthy relationships with the girls in their life, the women in their life. And so part of it starts with recognizing sameness before differences, that we're all human and that we treat one another with respect and with dignity. Um, but then it also means we acknowledge and celebrate differences. Mm-hmm. And so men and women are really different so many ways. And once we learn to acknowledge it and celebrate it, we can start working together. And so I will point out that, you know, that I bring strengths into our family and my husband brings different strengths. And together we're stronger than, than if we were separate. And when we learn to respect our differences, um, things improve. And so what we want to do is give our boys, um, that kind of insight and the fact that don't don't blow off a woman because she said something, she brings a different perspective and there's wisdom in listening to that. Um, and then, yeah, I do, I talk about pornography in my books because we want our sons to know that girls and women are more than just a body. And mm-hmm. pornography, what it does is it strips the humanity out of us and it reduces us to just... Um, hormones and sexual urges. And so I want my boys to know that women are more than just a body and that my boys, that men are more than the sum of their sexual appetite. Mm. And so that there's something more than that. And I want to connect my boys with how damaging pornography can be to that because it, it can really damage our ability to have healthy relationships with one another. Um, it's, when we engage with the pornography industry, we are supporting sex trafficking. And so there's just, there's all these components that come into play. And so I, I want my boys to understand what happens in the brain when they get sucked into this. And the, the pornography industry, they are, they're smart. They mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. how to hook you. And so I wanted to arm my kids with, you know, here's what to do when you guys encounter this. Mm-hmm. I think and the this most is, uh, this important. Is something you're going to have to fight for, and I can't do this for you. This is this is going to have to be your thing. And so I really want my goal was to equip them right. on what to do and how to walk through life and have healthy relationships with the women around them. I think one of the most important points you make here is that pornography emasculates many men, and I don't think men or women realize that making them unable to be aroused and have a real-life sexual relationship. That's a powerful yeah. point to make. Mm. Yeah, it's sad, and there isn't a lot out there. I didn't even realize this until a few years ago. Um, 
And it's just so sad when you see men in their 20s having to go get drugs to help them have, you know, what should be normal reactions to sexual relationships. So, yeah, it really does. It not only damages women, but it damages men as well. It's just it's vicious. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Frank Relationships, and we've been talking with the author of Nights in Training. 10 Principles for Raising Honorable, Courageous, and Compassionate Boys, Mrs. Heather Hopped. Heather, please tell us what you're up to and how we can find you. You can find me at my website, heatherhopped.com. That's H-A-U-P-T? H-A-U-P-T. That's right. And so I have different articles there, and then I I love hanging out over on Instagram and Facebook, so... You can connect with me there as well, and all of those links are at my website. Along today's journey, we've discussed screens and uh, the policy around screens, boundaries, and we topped it off with talking about chivalry. Thank you to my co-host, Nancy. Thanks to Jeff Newman, my engineer, and thank you to my guest, Heather Hopped. You've been great. I hope you've had as much fun as I've had hanging out with today's ensemble. As always, it's my wish for you to walk away from this conversation with a heaping helping of useful information that'll help you create a relationship that's as loving and accepting as possible. Let us know what you thought of today's show at Facebook forward slash Relationship F Love, on Twitter at Mr. That's M-R Frank Love, or at FrankLove.com. If you're listening via Blog Talk Radio, make sure you like us there, and if via iTunes, make sure you subscribe so that you can receive each week's show this is frank love